0: All right, gang, welcome to Money Talks. It's been a minute. I'm your host, Bill Barheit, founder and CEO at Abra. As always, we have a lot to talk about today. So let's get to it. Most of what's happening in our world this week is either uh, regulation, uh, interest rates, money supply, or some combination of of the two. Uh, We'll talk about bond markets, we'll talk about the SEC, we'll talk about European Parliament lots going on all right so start off with the markets right so uh we actually obviously had a a short-term top form on bitcoin and ethereum we'll get to the charts here and uh, take a look at what's going on but it looks like we are back in the consolidation zone bring up the chart here we go so you can see here uh let's see so bitcoin is back to 28,150. Ethereum is down back down to 19,100, both in the previous short term consolidation zones that they were in last week. So we can see if we go back to April 14th, which was a week ago. Uh, Let's see right there. Uh, Well, actually, last Friday, uh, Bitcoin was actually uh, reconsolidating after this move higher and it's clearly pulled back. We expected a pullback to 29,000. Uh, we did do a show last week, but clearly, if I had, I would have said I, I expected a pullback to pull back twenty-nine thousand after this run-up because it was a quick one, uh, actually on lower volume, which we don't like to see. We like to see run-ups on higher volume, like we did in mid-March, right? So you see over here, March twelfth through the seventeenth, significant move higher on um, on Binance for Bitcoin. That is super bullish. Obviously, any move higher is bullish, but when the volume doesn't cooperate, you can see here at the bottom of my screen that, let me see if I can zoom in a little, you can see here at the bottom of my screen that the volume has come down significantly on the trading side versus uh, versus mid-March. That is not necessarily bullish or bearish, but it tells us that the market may be lacking conviction in the latest movement. The other thing to keep in mind is the amount of Bitcoin being held by long-term holders is going up significantly. And what that should tell you is that the amount of Bitcoin available for trading is dwindling. And that's actually super bullish long-term. Now, Ethereum had its upgrade to uh, uh, Shanghai, which unlocks staking. Now, many people considered this to be bearish for uh, Ethereum. I actually thought the opposite was true because many people who would be afraid to stake because they couldn't get their Ethereum out will now be staking Ethereum. And the numbers are playing this out. If you look at the number of people who have withdrawn their Ethereum versus the number of people depositing Ethereum into staking nodes now, uh, the number of people depositing into staking nodes seems to be surpassing the number who are withdrawing. And that is exactly what I expected to happen long term. That is very bullish for Ethereum. I expect Ethereum staking volumes to become commensurate with other uh, staking-based protocols. Ethereum uh, staking volume volumes were lower simply because uh, Ethereum was locked up. Or I should say staked Ethereum was locked up. We'll talk about Abra and staking in a few minutes. Okay, so what do I expect from here? Well, my reading of the tea leaves is one, I have no idea. Uh, and two, if I was a betting man, I would bet that we may consolidate here uh, for a few days, uh, going into May, get a small leg lower, and then head towards new highs, which for um, uh, Ethereum would probably push us towards twenty five hundred, and for Bitcoin towards thirty three thousand. Uh, I I do see. Uh, you know, more money printing, more liquidity in the system coming from the Fed. If you've been paying attention to what's been going on in the banking front, the Fed has basically undone the vast majority of the quantitative tightening by making short-term credit available to the banking system. They, they call them collateralized loans, but effectively it's money that they printed that they're using as collateral. So it's part of the game. So So that means in English that the volume of money in the system is going to be going up significantly in the short term. Now that may be uh, exacerbated by, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, partially offset by a lack of lending uh, given the credit tightening going on. But I expect that to be very short lived and the markets are forward looking. And I think the markets right now are looking towards significant loosening of the monetary system based upon the risks in the banking sector and the bond markets right now. Bond bond yields are clearly moving down. The dollar is structurally weakening. You can see here, we're back into this channel, right? So we were consolidating a little bit here in in, um, early April, and it looks like we're structurally set up to continue this downward channel here. This is the most important chart to me, right? As this dollar index starts to make new lows, I expect a significant move up in, in Bitcoin and tech stocks. We'll see. Um, they won't be correlated day to day. It's more of a macro correlation over time, but that's what I expect to happen. All right. So as I said earlier, the SEC is all over the news. The regulators are all over the news this week here. Um, I'm going to stop this for a second, just giving my commentary. So so the U.S. SEC uh, Chair Gensler would not actually say when pressed by Congress whether Ethereum is a security or a commodity. The CFTC, the sister organization to the SEC that actually oversees commodities regulations in the United States, has clearly stated that Bitcoin and Ethereum and many others are commodities the head of the SEC seems to publicly state the opposite on a regular basis, which means that it's very difficult for companies trying to operate legally in the United States to know what to do when our own regulators are giving us conflicting guidance as to what is a commodity and what is a security. So I don't know how we're supposed to react to that, but I, I think this is a lot more politics than it is genuine disagreement. And that's very unfortunate because I actually know some folks at the SEC. I know some folks at the CFTC. Some I've gotten to know because I didn't necessarily want to, but you know, obviously uh, we've had our past. But, but I actually haven't. I never had a problem with the people that I've met. They all seem very intelligent. They're trying to do a job. They're trying to protect investors. I get all that. But what I don't get is why you can't just come out with very explicit guidance to say, here is where 1930s, 1940s regulations apply to crypto. Here is how you should make those rules apply to your business. And here's where we just don't know. And here's where you get a sandbox to play because your rules, uh, you know, a a reasonable application of the rules uh, probably doesn't apply to X, Y, or Z. We get nothing like that, nothing, right? And it's, it's very disconcerting. So I'm going to show you here, bring this up again. Here's a video clip of, oh, it's asking me to restart my audio sharing, which I'm not going to do. So I don't know if that's going to work. So so I th- I'm going to try this and I don't, I apologize if the audio is poor, but uh, we're going to do it anyway. Okay. So here is... Um, uh, Congress, uh, talking to SEC Chairman Gensler about Ethereum being a commodity.
1: Okay. So do you recognize, uh, how would you categorize either that? I think that the general sweep of what Congress did, not just in the thirties, but as amended, I'm asking you, you're sitting in your chair now to make an assessment under the laws as exist is either a commodity or a security. Without speaking to anyone, I know you okay, repeatedly said you're not going to speak to max- one except you've spoken to one Bitcoin. So I'm asking you to speak to a second one, the lar- second largest market cap here. And speaking to the tokens, there's ten to 12,000. If there's a group of entrepreneurs, in I'm the asking about the one. Is anticipating a profit based on the I'm asking a specific question, Chair Gensler. I said this in private. This should be no shock to you. I'm asking this question. Is, it an e- is Ether a commodity or security? And again, it depends on the facts and the law. And if there's a group of in asking about the facts of the law sitting in your seats and the judgment you are making.
0: Okay, Wow. so, so let me stop this. Um, and they go back and forth, back and forth. I don't know why uh, explicitly they just won't come out and say that Ether is a commodity today. Uh, clearly, they have staff that look at this. They have come out in other lawsuits in the past couple of weeks. They listed very explicit crypto assets that they deemed to be securities in a lawsuit that they filed against a company called Bittrex uh, that recently announced that they were leaving the United States as a result of this kind of heavy-handed approach to regulation and the lack of clarity. Uh, they've decided to double down on their non-U.S. businesses. But my, but my point is, is that the SEC has come out and explicitly said in their complaint against this company, Bittrex, that three or four of these crypto assets they were listing, probably a couple of them you've never heard of, uh, were securities. And I, I don't think they are, but it's not my judgment, right? So it's just my opinion. <clears throat> excuse me, it's just my opinion. So the point is, is that if they would actually say, right, we think EOS, which I think was named in their suit, is a security, and here are the reasons why. that's reasonable. You may not agree but you know where our regulator stands. Now, as an American taxpayer, I think it's very reasonable to know where our regulator stands on whether an asset is a security, especially if that regulator is required to oversee the securities industry. So I don't get that. I just, it's politics to me, and I find it hard to believe that the staff of the SEC completely agrees with this perspective. And I hope it changes. I don't know. Uh, but it may require regime change within the current administration that seems to be supporting a lot of this nonsense. Anyway, kudos to the Republican-led House Finance Committee for pushing to get to the bottom of why there is so much politics in the oversight of the crypto industry, and I hope it leads to change. Now, speaking of politics and crypto and regulations, lawmakers in the European Union on Thursday Voted in favor of a new crypto licensing regime, they call it Markets in Crypto. It's also known as MiCA. MiCA MiCA uh, making it the making the EU the first major jurisdiction in the entire world to introduce a comprehensive crypto law. And the Parliament also voted in favor of a separate law. It's known as the Transfer of Funds Regulation. It basically requires crypto operators to identify their customers in a bid in a bid to halt money laundering. Uh, and, and you know, the votes uh, will allow um, basically the EU to have very clear oversight of uh, wallets and exchanges uh, who seek to operate across the block of 27 EU nations. And uh, stablecoin issuers will also be required to maintain sufficient reserves. So, look, you, you may not agree with every aspect of this new law. I'm sure I don't. But they have clarity now. If you're operating in the EU and you're targeting local citizens with your marketing of, you know, your your crypto services in the EU, it sounds like starting later this year or into next year, you're going to need this MICA license, which again, you know, uh, whether you agree with it or not, they have clarity. And that's all we've asked for here is clarity. Okay. Anyway, a couple of other interesting uh, items in the news, and then I want to talk about uh, Abra for a minute. Uh, Credit agency giant TransUnion is going to deliver credit scores for crypto lending. So TransUnion, for those of you outside the US, is one of the largest credit agencies in the US. So when you apply for a credit card or instant credit at checkout, and and you get your credit report delivered or credit score, TransUnion is one of those companies in the background that's providing that credit score or information to the credit provider. So TransUnion will uh, provide off-chain credit scores for blockchain-based loan applications in a way, to, in a, in a way that they claim maintains uh, the privacy of consumers. So they, they say they're going to deliver credit scores for DeFi lenders, and this is going to be starting even next week. Uh, They'll provide these traditional off-chain credit scores for individuals when they apply for loans on these blockchain-based protocols without compromising applicants' privacy, according to this press release. I haven't dug in in detail as to how they plan to do that, but it's super interesting. They're working with Spring Labs and DeFi Identity uh, and Quadrata, all companies we know at Abra. Uh, And uh, yeah, Quadrata's confirmed that the service is going to be accessible starting next week. So as Abra moves more and more in the direction of DeFi, which is something we'll be talking about on uh, Money Talks, most likely next week, I'm looking at the calendar here, next week is April 28th. And I think that's the day we're going to do a very interesting uh, episode of Money Talks and show you some really cool new stuff that many of you have been waiting for. But anyway, I think that Abra is going to be in a position to take advantage of this. And I think this is a smart move for uh, for the DeFi companies that are uh, or protocol companies that are embracing uh, this credit model because it will enable uh, different types of lending, including under collateralized and over collateralized at the same time. You could even see this getting into more traditional assets like mortgages over time, which is a little bit problematic since mortgages don't sit on the blockchain. But anyway, uh, it is an interesting announcement, and we'll see uh, how how this unfolds over time. All right. Good stuff. So, all right, let's get back to uh, to Abra. So a couple of things I want to talk about. So I mentioned the Shanghai upgrade uh, for Ethereum. Uh, the implication for all of you is that Abra is going to be unlocking your staked ETH. Now, when I say Abra, um, what I mean by that is when you stake Ethereum in Abra Boost, you're actually staking that Ethereum on a node Uh, Through an Ethereum node, uh, through a company that uh, Abra works with that manages those nodes. So, you know, one ETH staked, you know, uh, one ETH going directly to a node at a staking partner for Abra. Those staking partners are unstaking that Ethereum in the coming days and weeks. And we expect to be able to make that available to you in the mid May uh, timeframe. So, let's say three, three ish weeks from now. Uh, you will be able to get your Ethereum to out of Abra. That's in line with what most other companies are doing because it takes, in some cases, a few weeks to get the unstaked Ethereum out anyway. And in our case, we expect to make it available almost immediately in three weeks once it's available. So hopefully that math makes sense to all of you. So those of you reaching out to support to ask when your staked Ethereum is going to be available for withdrawal, you don't need to ask anymore. And by the way, you're totally fine to continue to earn your Uh, rewards on Boost and leave your staked Ethereum as is where it is. You don't need to take any action whatsoever. If you do want access to your staked Ethereum, you'll be able to process your withdrawal then when we make it available. So super exciting there. As I mentioned, I believe next Friday, we're going to be doing, you guys going to confirm? I got my guys in the background here. Yeah. So I think next Friday, we're going to be doing a really interesting uh, episode of Money Talks. We're going to demo some new stuff for you. Probably in, I'll uh, give a little bit of a way. We're looking at some stuff, maybe in the DeFi space, maybe in the NFT space, maybe related to how CPerks might fit in to all of this. So you're definitely going to want to tune in uh, for Money Talks next week. It's going to be a much longer show uh, than this. This is really just a brief update. I've been traveling a ton. The last few weeks Uh, i'm super busy with these product launches uh dealing with my exec team and a bunch of other stuff so so we should be back in the full swing of money talks in the next few weeks and uh yeah i'm 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 excited to get back to the grind anyway so uh, i actually didn't see myself on the camera i just realized that that the camera picture is totally totally washed out this morning so you're getting like a, a white version of bill like a bright white so i apologize for that anyway Anyway, so uh, I'm actually a little bit tired. I, I, I was up super late working. I'm actually using Chat GPT a ton in my work now. I don't know how many of you, and, and our company is too. It's really incredible. I mean, have any of you played with this thing? Uh, you know, Chat GPT, this new AI tool, um, you know, so, you know, it, it I mean, we, we use it to basically draft uh, memos, to draft, you know, emails, to draft, legal docs to and then we'll basically hand them off to marketing or legal or engineering and it just saves us a ton of time. so if you're not integrating this stuff into your to your business or daily life, I, I highly recommend it and you know I know some folks in our engineering team for example are starting to use some of these tools to do code generation which makes the development process and development cycle much much faster so so anyway so hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk some more about AI and where it fits in in the crypto space. It's something I'm really excited about. I got to attend uh, Peter Diamantis' uh, Abundance 360 uh, a few weeks ago, and half of the event was about AI. and It was super motivating. I learned a ton. I, I did take classes in AI many moons ago, decades actually, and, and it's it's awesome to see uh, how um, the, the computational capabilities of Uh, the planet have evolved to enable all the things that we talked about back when I was a kid. So, so it's all happening. It's all coming now. And I think that as it relates to financial markets, it's going to enable real-time decision-making it's going to enable better decision-making more informed. You're going to see real-time data start to integrate with things like chat GPT so that it can make more intelligent decisions for you or recommendations for you. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. A lot of people are worried about this kind of dystopian, future i i'm not i i actually see this as as tools even when we reach this kind of point where it feels like these tools are smarter than we are it still doesn't scare me these things have an off switch they're machines and and uh i i uh you know like, like i said i don't buy into the dystopian future that some of my brethren have been saying we need to slow this down and I just, it's first of all it's not going to happen because you know if you look at the competition from China and Eastern Europe and other parts of Southeast Asia and Japan they're moving full steam ahead on this stuff and and we need the U.S to lead and we need we need Western Europe to play a big role in this and we need the competition on the planet for this to to, to basically help bring more people into uh you know the the middle class uh, of 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 the planet I think Africa, Uh, is going to play a huge role when it comes to the next generation of information technology. And I think a lot of it is going to be AI-based. You're going to be hearing this term prompt engineer over the coming weeks. What is a prompt engineer? A prompt engineer is somebody who basically understands how these AI systems work insofar that they can craft questions for chat GPT and other systems, mid-journey, whatever, that actually make the results as useful as possible to the entity that needs the answer. So more to say on AI in, in the coming weeks, really excited about it. We're using it at Abra. I know many of our partners and, and even competitors I've spoken to, we we, we all talk, uh, they're, they're using AI tools in their business now as well. And I'm sure all over Wall Street, people are starting to look at this thing. I, I, I saw an announcement from Bloomberg where they're actually porting a lot of their data into a forked AI tool that they created for real-time decisioning that they're planning to make available through to their Bloomberg terminal subscribers. So there you go, right? Um, you're going to see this all over the place on Wall Street, financial services, engineering companies, um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. All right. So so that's AI. Uh, I was also late. I was watching the Warriors last night. I know we've got a lot of folks uh, I see that we, we always have a lot of folks from the Philippines here. Uh, I don't know why historically, but we do. And a lot of folks from, I see from Bangladesh and from India and from, from the UK. And I know that the NBA is huge all over the world. I'm a huge fan my two, my two kind of non work sports passions are, are basketball and formula one. Anyway, my warriors finally won a game last night. And so, uh, so that's got me a little, little happier this morning. Uh, it was a miserable first couple of games and then they ridiculously, uh, 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 suspended Draymond. I mean, I don't know if you saw this play. I don't even want to talk about it. It was so infuriating what happened when he got suspended. But um, anyway, you can you can just do Google Draymond Green and you'll see what happened. It was ridiculous. But anyway, so uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend to see what happens there. And look, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks with uh, with a lot of these securities issues. I think the, the House Services and Fi- Financial Services Committee keeping them in check. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Hopefully that will pay dividends to the entire industry in the coming months. I don't know. We'll obviously report to, to you as we see things unfold in, in real time and let you know what's going on. All right, so that's a quick update. Next week is a big one. You do want to be here for Money Talks next week. Get your Abra app updated. Go to the App Store, download the current version. Uh, we'll probably be have, have a new release in, in early May relative to what we're going to show you next week. But uh, you might want to start telling your friends now, now is a good time to be signing up for Abra. All right, with that, I'm going to let you have uh, uh, your time back. Have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you next week here on Money Talks. Take care, everyone.